0: Welcome
1: back to the Dr. Coach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo, and I'm here with JB, again here, champion. How are you, mate?
0: Not bad, mate. Thanks for having me.
1: Are you excited to see some uh, proper teams running out in JLT? We've got a full, you know, 22 on the field rather than four and a half.
0: Yeah, it's been excellent, and um, I know you are got to talk about it, but... I think we can pay a little bit of homage to the AFL for this
1: yeah I, I think we'll do we'll talking about it later that like maybe this is actually a master stroke we've got a lot of people that have been hating on AFLX you know the, the new 2020 version of uh, of AFL that because there's a shorter JLT there's only two rounds with they're forced to to put in their best teams from the get-go. We're seeing Dusty running out straight away. We're seeing these guys playing in their proper... uh, A lot of them playing in their proper roles. I I think this might actually be a masterstroke, particularly for fantasy, because the last few years... You know, you had to wait until JLT three before you actually saw someone standing in the right end of the ground. To, for example, you know, now we we kind of know what um, where Yo is going to be lining up. Is he going to be having center of bounce attendances this year? Is how is that going to impact his role? Previously, we just kind of wrote off the first two rounds and then focused on the final game. Whereas, you know, now that it's spread out and it's only two, I think we're actually seeing genuine AFL lineups running out already.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's especially good because AFLX got all the young kids out there. So the, um, the coaches got to see how the young players went under pressure and uh, in a game close to what they'll be playing during the regular season. So they don't really have to experiment as much with their lineups in the JLT with the young kids all over the place uh, and then the second one's usually changing up, like switching between young and old. And then the third one, we finally get to see a team close to their best. So um, it is good. There haven't been as many thrashings, uh, so that's that's always a good sign because sometimes teams play their full squads a week early and other teams are playing rookies and we just get no indication as to what's going to happen during the season. And I think it's good for our super coach as well. So um, we used to take everything with a grain of salt and just pay attention to where a player was playing rather than how they were playing. But now we can really focus on how they're actually playing considering they're against the mob who's playing uh, say, 18 of their best 22, uh, and their, their team actually has 18 of their best 22 in it as well. So I think it's good for all, as much as I, I didn't really enjoy the AFLX series itself.
1: Yeah, we. Do, I don't think we, we expected what kind of effect it would have on the JLT, and it's actually probably a positive, especially from a fantasy point of view. Now, talking about changing lineups, what has the JLT done immediately to your supercoach team, JB? Are you seeing any changes... That Any structural changes, any players that you didn't have in beforehand that you have kind of put in there? Any rookies, perhaps?
0: Well, I try not to tinker too much, uh, especially in, in past years. But I tell you someone who has come straight into my team, Chizo, and it's one of your boys. After seeing him run almost exclusively through the midfield... Darcy Parrish. Smith has oh, got oh, sorry, a place no. in my... T- <laughs> <laughs> so close, so close, but so far. Um, Devin Smith, as such a cheap option in the forward line and... Uh, not not many forwards just around that price begging for selection. He's just been he was excellent in his opening game. 118 points he ended up in, and that that's just so promising for a player that's 439k. What do you think of Devon? I think he could go on to even average close to the triple figure mark.
1: Look, I, I I think expecting a triple figure mark from Devon is probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I think that. In his junior years, he proved that he could be a fantastic ball winner. He's shown as a, a you know, a half forward for GWS that he knows how to find the ball. He knows how to use the ball. I think what we saw on the weekend is that he's been designated of, um, uh, say, he and Stringer that were both uh, um, said to have more midfield time. He's the one that they're really looking for, to be a gun midfielder for the Dons this year. They're looking for him to be in there the majority of the time. And the, the the thing that I liked about it is the second efforts. He was in a contest. He was chasing the clearance. He was tackling and then chasing the exit of the clearance as well. And there was a couple times where he was the first one sharking a hit out, handballing it off, looping around, getting the, the return hand pass and then kicking it out of, say, a defensive 50. He was working up. He was working back. And... He's going to be one of those mid-price players that everyone seems to jump on, and you know he's going to his, his his ownership is going to skyrocket. But at the same time, the he looked so good on the weekend playing in the JLT and particularly in an absolute thrashing against the reigning premiers. I think he could be a really good pick for a, a ninety-five average, average this year, and in the forward line that might just be good enough.
0: Uh, The thing that intrigues me the most about Smith is coming from GWS, we've seen players like him before come from GWS, not being able to play in their midfield because it's so strong and just dominating other clubs' midfield. So like you think of Jack Steele as just a minor example. He was playing in their forward line and just racking it up, then going in the knee full and playing midfield and tearing it up. And then he went to St. Kilda and he was actually a really strong and good midfielder. So they just couldn't get him in there. You look at Devin Smith on the um, on the outer of the square, literally twenty four seven for GWS. Didn't really get a shot inside, and then they chuck him inside where he was as a as a junior, as you said, and he starts dominating. and It shouldn't be surprising because that's his that's his position. They just didn't have the room for him. Essendon have made the room for him. I think he's a really enticing pick and like I said I I might be shooting a bit high with triple figures here but if he were to accomplish that then he'd be a top 6 forward and you'd be silly not to start with him
1: yeah, absolutely, and and just to touch on that, his centre of bounce attendances from the weekend, he was the second most in Essendon uh, with 14, only trailing behind Darcy Parish with 15, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But before we do start recapping the JLT, uh, I do just kind of want to mention the Carlton and St Kilda lineups that they've announced for Wednesday's JLT game. Uh, one of the popular rookies that uh, we've all kind of had in and out of our defensive lines, Cam O'Shea, named as an emergency. now. You know, considering they've got a vastly extended bench compared to what they'll have in a, a, a real-season game, they've got eight on the bench. He's still not uh, named in the team for the JLT. And they've got a, a, a genuinely good round one-type lineup in their back line. They've got Plowman, Jones, Marchbank, Simpson, Weetering, and Byrne with uh, Aaron Mullet, who we thought might even start in Doherty's role on the wing. Um, I, I think it's looking like bad news for Cam O'Shea. Just like we said on the podcast last week, I think... It is about time that we start looking for other options. Like, there's a few coaches out there that are just leaving him there, waiting to see if he's in round one. I think we should really just, you know, take him out, plan for the worst, hope for the best, and see what we can do without him there. The best case, I guess, worst case scenario is we get to round one and just have to figure out a way to get him back in. But at this stage, uh, I'm swapping him out for someone else. JB, what do you think?
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day, uh, he wasn't. Um, hes I don't know what people expected from him scoring potential-wise, but he's never really been able to put points on the board as it is. So I think a lot of people were looking at him for his potential job security considering they took him in that uh, preseason draft as a player to fill the void that Doherty uh, was leaving. But I think they just took him there for insurance. Uh, I reckon they're backing in their young talent. Even Williamson's in the emergency, so I'd even put him ahead of O'Shea. I think it was a, a good, safe pick for Carlton. They got him for free. He tore it up in uh, the Rezis the year before in the VFL, and that's what he'll be. He'll be a safe uh, player to come in if they have an injury, but not someone I'd be starting for 166 Um, I'd struggle to really put too much thought into him around that price considering his, his form and uh, job security just look shaky at the moment.
1: Yeah, Camoche is probably the 2018 version of Brett Eddy, Don't think like he he's come from the 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 league down where he absolutely dominated. Picked up by uh, an AFL list mature age rookie. We're thinking, look, he's going to go straight in. But you know, as we saw with Eddie last year, there's no guarantees. Even if you are a mature age rookie and you've been invested in, Carton also don't have Sam Rowe um, available. Uh, he's a he's an absentee from the list as well. So you know. Further down the line, I, I think he will get a crack this year as as the season progresses. But I just don't think that he's going to be startable at this stage. Um, but also in the back line, we should jump over to the St Kilda side that we're interested in. Um, both Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield, their 7-8 and eight pick from the 2017 draft, both named on the extended bench there, JB Coffield is one that could be taking Cam O'Shea's uh, position in a lot of people's back lines uh, this year because uh, he's also defense eligible and he's a bloody good player, mate.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of concerns about Coffield, otherwise he would have been a lock earlier than right now as we speak of him. Uh, was that he wasn't going to break into their squad. But if he does, I think um, I think a lot of people will be shuffling to get him in, that's for sure. Someone to just really watch. I mean, this is what the JLT is for for us super coaches, We don't really care about form guides. We really want to see these young kids uh, cement themselves in the squad and show up like uh, Don Barry did uh, in the weekend just past. So this is exactly what we want to see. Hopefully Caulfield takes his opportunity and just really tears, tears it up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, mate, the other big talking point that came out of the JLT is obviously the hit that uh, Robbie Gray had on Jeremy McGovern. A lot of teams, a lot of people, ranking Gray as one of the better forward line options this year. He's if he takes the uh, the the one week, he's obviously out for round one, and he's almost unselectable if you're if he's guaranteeing two donuts in the first ten rounds.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes him unselectable now, and uh, we. At the moment, we don't know if he's challenged it. We're assuming he won't. Uh, And it's just interesting to see the MRP really set an early precedent. Um, I mean, the new MRP uh, set an early precedent as to what they're going to do with these charges. I didn't think personally it was that bad. I thought he'd be unlucky to get a week, but not unlikely. Um, But hopefully this is what we see from them all year with those types of hits now. And they can just be consistent. Robbie Gray, I think... I think he was really out of people's considerations considering the buy and the fact that he's uh, guaranteed pretty much 60 plus, maybe even 70 or 80 plus percent time up forward now. Um, but this should really just put that marker straight through him for good, I think.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting this year with the new MRP. It now stands for Match Review Person uh, <laughs> because we no longer have a panel panel there, JB. But... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I think it was completely incidental, it was more like a game incident. But when you elect to, you know, brace yourself and going for the bump, and you hit someone high, and they're restricted for the rest of the game for concussion precautionary measures, like uh, I think he, he, straight away you could tell from his body language he knew he was done. But you know that that just gives us another another spot in our forward line that we can hopefully find someone else. Maybe a Devin Smith comes in for you that we've talked about before. Um, So, JB, we might as well jump into the JLT recap. And the first thing I want to touch about the recap is you're basically now a sports journalist. Is that correct?
0: Not me personally. I I got no credit on this article, (laughs) Cheezo. I know. I I
1: know, no credit. Pistol taking all the credit, isn't he?
0: Pistol pretty much stood up and said, this was me. I got no help from anyone. I'm not affiliated with Dr. Supercoach. Please pay me my money now. Um, <laughs> Please but, put
1: my name in the article. I I will take it in ten cent pieces.
0: And and then yeah, I just it's just disgraceful. Honestly, I thought we were friends, Pistol and I, but <laughs> I've had to reassess everything that I've I've selected in life to this point. Just after this pure betrayal, we've both had, mate.
1: Yeah, look, uh, obviously what we're talking about is our, uh, our review of the JLT preseason games. We highlighted a few Supercoach relevant players. was published by the Herald Sun today. If you haven't checked it out, make sure to head over there and see who we liked, who we didn't like. And the first person that we came across, uh, Devon Smith, we've already talked about. 118 points in the, uh, the, the massive drubbing by Richmond over Essendon. Um, promising signs from him. He did do it without Zach Merritt, who did get a head knock uh, very early in the game. Uh, do you think that the fact that Merritt was out influenced Devin's uh, kind of center bounce attendances at all? Or do you think that's probably the role we should expect?
0: I mean, I, I didn't watch the, the start of the game. But from what I've heard, uh, Devon was in that first center bounce as it was. I don't think it influenced it. It might have influenced the amount of points that he scored. But the fact that he's done that in a losing squad anyway is very, very impressive. So if you consider the fact that they win more games than they lose this year and Zach Merritt plays all of them, maybe Smith just drops maybe 10, 15 points off of what he scored. I still think it's great signs. And I mean, I don't know why they'd promise him midfield time all throughout the preseason, and then back it up in the JLT, then not do it during the actual season. So he, he flourished in there. And I think he's earned his spot unlike... Uh, unlike his teammate, who we'll talk about later, who didn't actually do that well in the midfield there, their Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the next person on the list that we do want to talk about, Darcy Parish, Coming off with an 89. He's on the watch list of a few different players. He actually attended the most centre bounces for Essendon on the weekend with 15. Um, we did talk about him last year, how Wushu was trying to teach him a few different roles. But I kind of see Darcy Parrish as really that 90% player has is just all about the midfield grunt he's going to get the polish further on in his career but to start off with he is really going to flourish getting more Time in the middle, trying to be the extractor. We saw last year when he spent time off the back flank every now and then, we saw him mostly playing forward. It just didn't really suit his game style. He wasn't sure where he was running. But in t one we saw him go um, kind of a a 90-point average is something that a lot of people are picking him for this year, thinking that his upside is going to be enough to be a good breakout candidate, JB.
0: Yeah, and my personal opinion of it is that he's probably a year too early. Uh, in an ideal world, we see him as a forward mid next year as well, and that's when I would put some serious consideration. It, it, to me, it looks like he needs a season in the guts and still forward a bit just to really get used to it, but he did look like a natural in there, so I wouldn't be surprised if he pumped out 80-plus on that average um, and just kept on improving like we all know he should be.
1: Yeah, the, the only thing is that, you He's never going to be another mid forward again. This year, he's going to play ninety percent midfield. And if you don't, if you, if you're ever going to pick him as a breakout player, it's going to be this year. So obviously, I'm his number one fan. As people who listen to the, <laughs> the podcast regularly know, know that he is. Um, but I, even I just don't see that he's got enough scope to come out this year. I can see that he's definitely going to increase his average. He's going to be playing the game that he likes. He's going to have more importance in the midfield. I'm just not seeing that 95 average because he's not going to. He's not cheap enough to make you enough money if he jumps up. Um, and if, if by the time we say it every time, by the time he makes enough money, he's already a keeper. He's already averaging high enough. So you're picking him as a forward you're going to keep for the rest of the season. So he's someone that... Um, is while a good a good, a good good pick, I just probably won't be starting with him. Uh, someone else I won't be starting with, JB, your man, your haircut, Jakey Stringer.
0: Yeah, I don't think Jakey Stringer is my favorite player, <laughs> um, as you've just mentioned, especially not due to that haircut, that's for sure. But he did look a little out of sorts in that midfield. I, I think it's kind of a matter of time before he goes back into that, that forward role that we know he can really impact the scoreboard on. Uh, best case for Stringer, I can see him... Uh, Going out to the a wing roll where he can really uh, just fly off the the center square and into like into and through a pack and with that burst of speed that we all know he has and the sheer power. But people comparing him to a Dustin Martin type in there, I just don't see it. I don't think he has that sort of composure and the the touch of someone like Dustin Martin to just get a nice little handle out when he needs to or make the right decision at the right time. So for me, I don't think Stringer's really an option, even at that discounted 356 um, I'm not sure what you think of him, Chiso, but that's, that's my take. It might be a bit critical. Sorry, Stringer.
1: The thing that stands out for me is probably the 46% time on ground because, yes, he got his head split open early in the piece, but the one thing that we're all concerned about is whether he can sustain his on-ball efforts. The one thing we saw with Devin Smith was the repeated effort, one ball, next ball. He just kept going after it. With Jakey Stringer, he is that impact player where he comes and makes an impact on the contest, goes quiet for another 10 minutes, does something brilliant again. So I'm not really focusing on the fact that he had 13 center bounces, uh, bounce attendances. I think it's uh, the fact that he's having low percent time on ground that, you know he was stitched up pretty quickly, and on top of that, he had the second highest amount of clangers for the day with five. So, <laughs> you know he's not disposing of the well. He's uh, uh, he's not disposing of the ball well. He's not getting the ball in and under. He just doesn't seem like a good pick. And anyone suggesting that he will be, I think, really needs to take a reality check. But someone that <laughs> we really do think will be locked in here, JB, is Dusty. We saw one hundred and eight points from him. In 61% time on ground, he. Well, I think we all thought, you know, he's got nothing to play for anymore. He just had the best season on record. He looks just as good as last year. He's an absolute jet.
0: I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the the thing that sticks in my head was the Bulldogs, uh, year after their premiership year and how tired they all looked, how uh, lackadaisical they looked like they'd just won the the flag and didn't really care for another taste of the flag so they really dropped off that year after they had that premiership hangover per se and dustin martin i expected that from him uh he looks like the type of person who would celebrate a win that's for sure but he just did not look hung over at all did he chizo he is a man on a mission ready for that that back-to-back flags and I can't imagine a team without Dustin Martin in it really being competitive this season in the terms of Supercoach. So to me, we've got the unfortunate crisis of having to pick two players that combine for about 1.5 mil of our salary count. But Dustin Martin just feels like an absolute lock to me and I can't, couldn't imagine having him not in my side.
1: Yeah, and uh, just like Pistol always keeps reminding us that We keep saying that, you know, he just had the best season on record and he was only still only just the second highest scorer in Supercoach. But as Pistol keeps telling us, he was playing in discomfort last year. There was um, a few weeks in a row where he was almost going to be a late out. He didn't train during the week, turned up on the day and still knocked out 120 points for us. So that's the scary thing. He can actually improve this year. Um, But one of his teammates that we are also interested in in our back lines there, JB, is Brandon Ellis coming in with 57 points. Not really what we wanted to see from Ellis after he averaged 100 points from round 10 last season.
0: Yeah, and he averaged around 57 points in the finals last year as well. So I think there's been some question marks on Brandon Ellis since around that time. And it's just strange to see where he really fits into this uh, Richmond outfit. We know he's got talent. But he just needs to be in a real comfort, comfortable position before he starts churning out those those big scores. And I'm not overly convinced about him. For me, he's the type of player that might put in an average performance here and there. And that 502k price tag isn't enticing me too much to get him in. I think he'll be cheaper during the season. And to me, he's just a bit of a wait and see. Maybe maybe get him around his buy round because he does have an awkward one for a backman.
1: And the thing for Brandon Ellis is he's a downhill skier, or at least in his career, he had been until last year. He made a real effort to try and increase his contested possession count. And even from 80% time on ground, you've still got uh, the likes of um, Shy Bolton and Daniel Butler getting more contested possessions than him last uh, on the weekend. So maybe he's, you know going more of an outside player again. He's not looking likely that he's going to take his game to the next level. Obviously, it's only one game that we can go off, JB. But uh, at this point in time, uh, I think we're just going to have to wait and see on him. And uh, one of the pods that a lot of people have been talking about, JB, Kane Lambert, uh, put up 73 points. We were wondering whether he was going to get a little bit more midfield time. He's only in 1.9% of teams right now. And with that midfield half forward rotation particularly with that that high pressure that uh Richmond put on um is he a sneaky point of difference that people can be considering considering in their team
0: well he averaged uh close to 95 in the run home last season so i uh, i understand everyone's curiosity we have had a few questions about starting him in their uh, in some people's squads but if you really fancy Lambert, you know what he can produce. Uh, just lock him in quietly and, and just keep him as your point of difference. Personally, he's a bit risky for me. I think he can. he's definitely inept to tuning out those 60s, 70s, uh, rather than the consistent 90-plus that we want from our premiums, uh, and he's definitely priced as such. He's 70k more than someone like James Sicily, who I definitely have more confidence in as a player, uh, super coach-wise, that is. And I have more confidence in his role as well. So it does make it tough to select Kane, but I mean, you're going to back him in for reasons of your own. And if you thought his run home last year was good and could have even been improved upon. Then you're in your well and truly within your rights to lock in a point of difference and hope he pays off.
1: Yeah, the the, the last thing that I want to touch on in this game, something that came out was the uh, the game of Shy Bolton. He put up three goals, uh, went at eighty percent by foot, got eighty percent time on ground, put up an eighty in Super Coach. The thing is, with Daniel Rioli still coming back from the injury he suffered in the grand final, there's the spot open that I think he's going to be first choice to fill. The problem being he's $250,000, and as a small forward, there's really probably not that much room to grow as much as people have been harping on how he could be a good pick.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's selectable in our squads. I actually had him last year as that rookie selection, and he had a couple of good games. I think he had 100 at half time against someone like Geelong. I think if my memory is serving me correctly there. But then he ended the game with, I think it was it was like 85. He just went backwards. So he obviously has brilliant flashes of footy, but the only bad thing about Shy Bolton's form is that he's keeping someone like Jack Higgins out of the squad, so um, that'd be competitive for that spot, I'd say. And Shy Bolton, although he does look like a, a fruitful young rookie uh, or second-year player now, that will be good for Richmond. He's probably more serviceable on the actual footy field rather than our supercoach teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The only other rookie that is probably relevant to talk about, Ryan Garthwaite. right? Um, Spent a bit of time standing next to uh, Sean McKernan, and Sean McKernan was absolutely cutting it up, uh, understandably playing on a a rookie with little experience against the big guys. Um, I don't think he's going to be playing regular season, uh, particularly when the likes of... um, Uh, Nathan Broad come back and take their spot as well. So I I wouldn't be entertaining him just yet. We'll have to wait for JLT2, but um, I think that wraps up Uh, Essendon versus Richmond. Uh, The first game of the weekend is actually the second one we'll touch on. North Melbourne getting absolutely demoralized by Melbourne not really um <laughs> unexpected. Uh very windy conditions down there. There was a couple there JB beautiful um sunshine in my home state, but you'd kick it at the wind and it almost went backwards over your head a couple times. It, it was almost a four-goal breeze, mate.
0: Yeah, no, it was incredible, wasn't it? <laughs> it just kept on kept on coming back at the players faces. But um but it was good to see how some of the players handled it and I don't think we even need to speak about the number one person on your list there, Chizo.
1: Yeah, Maxi Gorn put up 145. This is exactly what we wanted to, wanted to see for him. Yes, he had a little bit of a slow start and he didn't really get going in the first quarter, but that makes it all the more impressive. Once he got going against one of the great Premier Ruckman in the competition, he basically put up 140 points in the last three quarters. So that, um, that was a really, really fantastic performance. And on the flip side... We've seen Goldstein and Gorn go at it many times as some of the best ruckmen in the comp. Goldie was just nowhere to be seen against against Gorn Gorn put up nearly 50% more hit-outs, put out 39 hit-outs for the day, and he's going to ruck solo. You don't have to worry about Cam Pedersen coming in and racking up uh, uh, hit-outs to advantage and things like that. Gorn is going to be one of the best picks this year as long as he can keep his body healthy, JB, and that's the thing. Can he stay healthy for our teams?
0: Yeah, and I can't believe he's not selected by 100% of teams at this point. He just feels like the absolute tried-and-true best pick that we've had available to us for for a long time now because he's just... Not only is he value, he looks healthy, he looks great, and he has had a great preseason. And he's got one of the highest highest ceilings of any of the Ruckman out there. So he's someone that I'd start if he was an extra 100K almost. So it's just crazy to think that people don't have him in their sides. And I'd actually... Like to see a squad without it, but there might be uh, might be a few ghost ship teams out there already. <laughs> um
1: one a of the of next... auto pick squads, <laughs> auto... intelligent auto pick, intelligent. The key yeah. word there, JV. Uh, the next player I want to talk about, your boy, actually your boy this time, Clayton Oliver, one hundred and eight. Uh, The breakout from last year, we have queried whether he's going to have the second-year Blues in his third year. It was a little bit worrying in the first quarter when we saw Ben Jacobs go to him, JB. And while he did put up 108 points and had a game-high 15 contested possessions, is this a sign of things to come, the fact that Ben Jacobs went to him early? And he was quiet. Jacobs was doing a job on
0: him. Yeah, Jacobs did do a bit of a job on him in that first half. And... Uh, well, predominantly the first quarter, but we're talking about the best uh, or at least one of the top one or two taggers in the competition here, and Clayton is very young. I think when faced during the regular season, maybe maybe Oliver sort of uh, maybe shrugged it off a little bit and just tried to get himself going slowly rather than uh, as quickly as possible in a JLT match, but he just showed exactly how good his score and prowess is in that second half, and... Why he's one of not only one of the safest picks, but he's one of the biggest POD picks you can you can pick from under I mean over a six hundred uh, K. So um, I'm not actually sure if he is the the biggest POD over six hundred K. But uh, he's someone that is has definitely been in and out of my squad all preseason, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up there. He just looks like one of those Tom Mitchell type players. He just doesn't like scoring blow a hundred.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he's only in 6% of team, so he's still a reasonably good point of difference for those around his mark there. Um, we'll talk about the next one uh, Christian Petrarca, or as uh, pistol locks to say, Christian Petrapper, because he thinks he's going to be a trap this year. 82 points on the weekend. Um, he looked okay. Uh, along the half forward and a, a little bit of time through the midfield in the JLT, um, he did only go at 57% for those 82, uh, um, 82 points. So, you know, that, that that's not the worst that we can expect um, from Christian Petrarca. The only thing being is that we didn't see him Dedicated in the midfield, which is the one thing that we were worried about. He is obviously one of the better contested ball players on the half-line, really, a half-forward line, really gives some good drive into their forwards. And so I think the the one thing that I took away from that is his role might change a little bit from last year, might get a little bit more um, midfield time, but we're not going to see like an Isaac Heaney that had 65% in the midfield, 35 in the forward last year. I think we're still going to be seeing less than 50% in the midfield for Christian Petrarca this year, JB, and for me, that's the thing that's going to keep me away from him because um, I, I I really want to see him dedicated in the midfield a lot more before I start investing my money for him to be a a sold uh, role gold forward that we're going to pick for years to come.
0: Yeah, and I'm surprised at the the highest percentage of ownership that he has, considering he's scored three super coach tons in his career thus far. And he's only entering his third season. So I think it's a little bit premature by those people jumping on him. He'll still be a forward mid next year. And worst case scenario, if you don't start him and he comes out scoring well, he'll be available at 50K more. And that's that's not a big risk in not starting and having to cough up a bit more money. It is a big risk if he you do start him and he doesn't actually do really well. So... I think it's a little risky to go in with him. I think he's obviously got potential, as we all know he does, but to me, it doesn't look like he's in the sort of uh, he's in the sort of touch to improve on his average 20, 25 plus, uh, which we would need for him to do at that price
1: yeah absolutely now the next player I want to touch on from Melbourne Bailey Fritch he's a 117k rookie put up 70 points looks really comfortable at the next level um, he is a little bit of a string bean looks a little bit skinny uh, in comparison to his more seasoned veterans but he, he, he could have had five goals he, he let a couple go past but three goals two from 11 possessions and six marks um, he looks a good sort and we've been hearing that Simon Goodwin's really really happy with his work ethic and uh, his attack on the footy and looks likely for a round one I think we've seen a lot of coaches, um, even on the weekend, that didn't already have him starting to lock him in because uh, he, he looks really, really good.
0: Yeah, if he's selected Brown one, you've, you've almost got no choice. You've got to lock him in because he's one of those players that has a, a fairly high ceiling in terms of rookies at 70 or 80 points. Uh, he, he may have a low floor, but it only takes a few of those uh, decent games out of him in the first 10 to, to really make some cash that we need. So look, if he's... Listed round one, then there's no reason not to start Fritch, I don't reckon.
1: Yeah, and someone that we were a little bit more, uh, a little bit disappointed with, a quite highly owned player, um, in 17% of teams is Angus Brayshaw. He only put up 35 points, and uh, while he is a talented uh, inside type midfielder that he has been um, since his junior years. They seem to be looking to use him more on the outside due to his concussion history. And in the JLT game, we basically didn't see him anywhere near the midfield. He was kind of back pocket, forward pocket wing. He really wasn't getting in and under like we're used to seeing him. And for that reason, I I, I just don't see him putting up big points in this year. And I, I don't think I can invest 317000 in someone. I'm not really sure what their role is going to be, JB.
0: Yeah, Brayshaw had a good opportunity here to put his hand up for a a real good cash cow or even uh, small just outside top 10 only just sort of premium uh, at that price. But considering his output, I think it's quite obvious that we need to stay away and make him uh, put himself in our teams rather than uh, pick him a bit prematurely.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Someone that did uh, kind of lock themselves into a lot of teams was Michael Hibbard. We were wondering what Jake Lever's arrival would do to it, but uh, he definitely is just that get out kick of the back line. He is the uh, the general back there. 27 touches, 82% disposal efficiency, a lot by foot. He really does look like a good safe selection here, JB, and uh, one that we don't really need to touch too much on. One that we should touch on though is Luke Davies Uniac. JB, what would you make of his debut? Yeah,
0: it's it surprised me when he when I saw he only had fifty two points because he actually looked okay to me. Uh, however, as I said, he only had fifty two points, and that was from seventy eight percent time on ground. So you can't even really blame the the time on ground percentages there. Uh, I mean, he does look like the sort of player that will be very good for North Melbourne this year and he'll have some, some good games, he'll have some good highlights. But to me, if someone's at that price range, they have to show signs of being able to average 65, 70 plus uh, and Luke Davies' the first uh, from the first go hasn't showed that sign. He's got one more chance to try and impress us and justify that price tag, I reckon.
1: Yeah, and I suppose we should touch um, on Todd Goldstein. We did mention that he did... Um, kind of get dominated a little bit by Max Gorn in the ruck. Um, he really, really didn't seem to be on his game. I know he did put up an eighty-two, but I'm not sure. You know that that was out uh, without Braden Pruce as well. So um, if they are looking at solo rucking him this year, we're going to need to see something a little bit better from the JLT. Two, in my opinion, JB. I understand that every week he's not going to come up against the likes of Max and one of the premier rucks in the competition. But um, if he's not going to be putting in that much of an effort against these guys, we could see Pruce coming back in. We all know that Pruce's impact is scoring last year. So um, I think I need to see something in the next round of JLT matches for me to say, look, he's a, a, a definite option for us to look at. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. On paper, Goldie does look like a good pick, but when you really think about it and start doing the calculations as to how he scores with Proust and how he's played well, just his one JLT game that we can really judge this year... Uh, and even if you want to consider his 2017 campaign, I think he's actually really, uh, really lined with risk, uh, such as uh, your Grundy types as well, who you're not sure about the second ruckman. I think there's a lot of risk in those picks and Goldie doesn't really stand out to me as an option.
1: Yeah, fantastic. We'll jump into the next game, Adelaide and Fremantle. The Crows left until about 29 seconds on the clock before they put themselves in front to, to run away with that after Frem- Fremantle looked like getting the win. Um I don't think much more needs to be said about 562 points, coming off 126 average across the last eight games after he came back from injury last year. He looks like an absolute lock in a lot of midfields there. And uh, um, someone else that looks like a really, really good player for our midfields is Andrew Brayshaw, JB. I feel like he's not getting talked about enough. LDU seems to be taking all the, uh, the commentary about expensive rookies in our midfield. But 87 points from the number two pick last year. He's a fitness freak. He, he won the uh, the the yo-yo test at the combine, and the uh, um, he was very high up in the the two meter uh, two minute two kilometer um, time trial. He's not going to have any fitness worries when it comes to the AFL. He'll be able to keep going every single day. But he also showed that he knows how to find the ball and to use it well, going at eighty five percent.
0: Yeah, and he's the type of guy that. You really, really tune into JLT to see. Brayshaw put his hand up for selection in our Coach sides uh, for probably the first time since Supercoach opened. Not a lot of people expected him to be in the mix for their midfield, that's for sure. Um, but if he's going to play like this and if he's going to actually get midfield minutes, then he's almost putting his hand up over your Davies, Uniacs, your Will Brodies, even though we haven't seen him uh, play yet. Stevenson's from Collingwood. Like These players all look good. But Andrew Brayshaw was outstanding in the uh, AFLX series and he's already started this one off with a bang. So all he needs to do is back it up one more time and he'll be locked into my squad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose we should talk about the role change from Michael Walters. We saw him line up at basically every uh, the start of every quarter in the midfield. He kind of played more inside than outside. How did you see his game, JB? Because uh, he he scored 102 points, but he didn't get that from a whole lot of touches.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing with Walters. He's very damaging when he does get the ball uh, and often puts on scoreboard pressure. Very contested and actually pulled out seven tackles as well. So uh, some some of his best work and looked like he was only in second gear. So look, Walters looks like someone who is risky for the fact that he plays for Fremantle and Ross Lyon and players like Brayshaw, Fife, Neil... Uh, obviously I'm not putting a up with those two yet, but players like that are really putting their hand up for midfield time as it is uh, with a couple of lock-ins there. Uh, it just doesn't seem like Walters is as safe an option to stay in that midfield, but if he does, he could be the biggest bargain of 2018 uh, super Coach because if he does stay in there, he definitely has potential for a 105 plus average, I reckon.
1: And someone else that is in consideration for our midfield uh, this year, Matty Crouch putting up 107. He didn't seem at all phase that uh, Bryce Gibbs had come over. I know Sloan and Brad Crouch, his brother, weren't there, but... It looks like that he's just going to continue his ball-winning ways, just running around, collecting the ball. Um, Picked up 36 disposals with 22 in the first half. He knows what he's doing when it comes to finding the footy, JB.
0: Yeah, and he had a great game. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when Sloan and his brother are back, but there's no reason not to pick him at this stage. He's giving you every sign that he's going to be back to his usual best.
1: Uh Rory Lead was fantastic 103 not much we need to really talk about him he's going to be a safe selection in our back lines considering that he racks up a lot of the ball so um, he's very very consistent we're not going to have to worry about him picking up you know six intercept marks a game like some of the uh, some of the uh, the different um, defenders that we can choose from this year I really like his the safety in him this year um uh, but one of his uh, his teammates Tom Dode, uh, only one hundred and twenty-four thousand as a defender. We've been looking at him for a little while to see what he would his role would be. Eighty-four points from uh, from his game. JB it looks like an absolute lock as our rookie defenders.
0: Yeah, probably looks like one of the biggest locks, um, if not the biggest. To be honest, eighty-four points from the defender. I think he was first pick on a lot of teams as he was earmarked for that that lever replacement in quotation marks. But uh, not, I don't think anyone expected 84 from him. I think 60 to 70 was more more the mark that we kind of expect him to, to average around for the season. But if he can put up numbers like 84 at any point during the season, then he's doing his job and then more. So um, one of those players that you just have to put in your first teams and never ever touch again.
1: And uh, we, we might as well jump into the last game of the round uh, of JLT games. Uh, West Coast just getting over the line by two points over Port Adelaide. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Robbie Gray. Not only is he out for round one, he was also fairly disappointing. Um, one of your big picks here, JB, Paddy Ryder. He was promising without being spectacular. What did you make of his game?
0: Yeah, he gave away a couple of silly free kicks as well. He didn't. He looked like the type of guy who he took real pride in. Uh, well took a real hit to his pride in losing that game to West Coast last year and wanted to make amends for that. So he, he gave away a couple of silly free kicks, um, lost a couple of ruck taps uh, without jumping, so of like he mistimed his run-up a couple of times, um, which aren't great signs, but all he needs to do is amend that, and that score turns into, into a 100-plus, which is, I think, what we expect from him considering his run home uh, last season. I think it was a 114 average post-round 13. So... Um, if you can, if you can go anywhere near that, so around the 110 mark this season, then there's actually a, quite a bit of a warrant in selecting him over Ruckman to start your season, Cheese. I know it's very unconventional starting someone who's uh, you know is going to get a donut for you in round 10, but when you consider a few little mathematical equations that we will answer in our inbox if you are curious to hear them, I think Ryder does present himself as a very good option.
1: And uh, the next player I want to talk about is uh, one of the more pricey side uh, kind of defensive breakout options, Riley Bonner. He uh, he spent most of his time on the wing there, JB, not really spending any time rebounding out of the back 50. Uh, what do you think his chances are of holding down a spot early on in the preseason, uh, early on the season based on what you've seen so far?
0: Yeah, and this surprised me. Uh, I was watching this game very intently, and he started... He started behind the ball, but then it quickly was put up onto a wing and even hit the scoreboard a couple of times. So as much as he looked like he was sought after by uh, the Port Adelaide players, they obviously trust his uh, his leg. He's got one of the best kicks in the squad. It, it was strange, his positioning. He attended some, uh, not centre bounces, but stoppages around the ground as well. It looked like Ken Hinkley is, is really trying to blood him to become a midfielder in the future now. I'm not sure what that means for round one. He could just go back to the halfback flank, which uh, would make me really curious about him and want to select him. But if he got, he does this role that Kenny Hinkley's throwing him in at the moment, he's very difficult to um, and to pick. And the thing that makes me think it wasn't very, wasn't very uh, experimental, uh, whereas it, I mean, you see some moves where you just go, nah, well that won't happen during the season. The thing that convinces me that it wasn't um, is Pittard was back to his best. Uh, he played really well in uh, just over 50% game time, scored 100, I'm pretty sure. And Barry was bouncing off that back uh, flank as well. So I think Bonner might be might be blooding to be a midfielder. And if that's the case, I don't think he'll justify his price tag. I think he'll average around that 60 to 70 mark as well, which we need about 70 to 80 plus uh, at that price. So I don't think he's for me, Chizo.
1: Yeah, and just as you were saying, the, the, the player that probably impacts him the most is, is Don Barry. He, 99 points on the weekend. He was absolutely fantastic. He's absolutely lightning across the turf. And even though sometimes he can be a little clumsy trying to get away with the ball before anyone tackles him, he really does look like he brings something to the role. And kind of like a, a, a German impy type situation could be happening. And uh, I really have kind of affirmed that uh, he will be a a starter in round one. He actually looks really, really good, JB.
0: Yeah, and um, I think there was an article a few weeks ago saying that he was tearing up the track. Ken Hickley was really surprised and really excited about the use of Don Barry, uh, the use that Don Barry would have for us in 2018. Um, and from then on, he sort of just exploded. He kept on doing well in the intro club. He did really well. He did well in practice matches that we've done since then as well, training sessions. And then he's given us this performance of 99 points on his uh, JLT debut. If he selected round one, I don't think we can expect anywhere. I mean, you'd be crazy to expect him to average 70 plus. But if we get this sort of Don Barry in that sort of role, I think it's very possible that he does get near that seventy average and provides a lot of money for us as one of the one of the real real good surprising selections this season. Yeah. and
1: and and speaking of roles, I do want to talk about Elliot Yo. Put up ninety six points on the weekend. The thing that troubles me is that we didn't really gather what his role is going to be after the first round of the JLT. The first center bounce of the game, he ran into uh the center square from the forward line. Yeah. And he also he he lined up in the midfield at the start of quarters. He floated across the back line. He was the last in defense a couple of times, taking some intercept marks it's the yo-yo all over again. He's a good scorer when he has the right role. We saw at the start of last year when he was an intercepting defender, he was phenomenal. He was averaging something like 100, 105, 110, something ridiculous. Then when he got more midfield minutes towards the end of the season, he had more of a role to play. He was more accountable. We saw those scores drop away. and At this point, I'm probably you know, feeling like I want to see something more uh, concrete in JLT to what his role will be if he's going to be a rebounding defender we're all over it but if he's just going to be your Mr. Fix-It and going any different line at any given time I'm not really sure that we can have enough faith that he's going to be that 100, 105, 110 average that we've seen him over um, six week bursts in the past JB
0: yeah, and I want to talk about a couple of things with Elliot Yo. First of all, if he's being thrown all over the ground and getting ninety six points, that's that's actually a decent sign. I'll I'll take that from from Yo. I mean, I consider someone getting thrown around like that to score your your seventies and eighties because they never really get settled. But ninety six is a great great return for someone who'd never really settled into a position. Uh, secondly, we never really saw him fly for a mark. I'm not sure if you watched Chiso, but I couldn't count more than more than the numbers that I can count on one hand in Elliot Yeo Marks, and we all know that's what he's, his game is built upon. So he looks like he was still a little bit troubled by that hip, that complaint that was holding him out a lot of the preseason. But if he, if he works that out and gets that defensive role, uh, defensive floating role really nailed down, then uh, we could see some great things from him. But like you said, at this stage, he's such an unknown. If he goes into that midfield, he'll... he he might not be good at all (laughs) and a lot of people were were cheering that he was getting some midfield minutes and and happy that he was getting out of defence but his best position is defence as you said last year he was around that 110 average for a while there especially when he played at his home ground which is also different as well now um, I think he's a. It's such a big question mark, but also he'll probably be really safe as well. So he's true to his nickname in Yo Yo. I can't even. I can't even pick what he'll be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one player that we
1: don't have to worry about what their role is going to be. Jack Redden. He went absolutely fantastic on the uh, on the weekend. One hundred and sixty two points. He's got to be on a lot of watch lists now after that. Uh, sort of performance there JB It's not something that we didn't predict towards the end of last year Because with those outs of Prittis and Mitchell They do need an experienced extractor And we saw him in and under packs all day And uh, I don't think we can expect 160 points uh, on a regular basis But um, 100. 105. He's get, he's gone in the past. And I don't think it's an unreal expectation to uh, consider that he, he could do exactly what he did when he played for Brisbane.
0: Yeah, and I think you were the first person to really bring this up uh, from any that I heard. So credit to you for this pick, Cheezer. It's working out uh, real good early on because you did you did mention him before. Well, before I heard anything mate, else, mate, he could he
1: could he could flop. Don't say that. He could absolutely flop, and then you just jump and all no, the blame no, Gizzo, on me. You- <laughs>
0: You told me and the community to lock him in for a (laughs) 120-plus average, and that's what we're all going to do now. So thank you, and I'll be directing all the mail your direction if he flops. All the death threats you Um, mean. (laughs) But 437K, that's that's such good value if he's going to average, like you just predicted, around the 105 mark. The problem is um you got to you got to really distinguish what you want from this sort of price bracket. So do you want value or do you want a keeper? So I'd expect most people want a keeper from this uh from this price range and 105 doesn't really get it done. It's just dependent on your faith in Redden. So he was obviously great for Brisbane uh but he was very inconsistent. He pumped out an 80 then a 130, a 70 then a 120 like. He was up and down up and down quite a lot and um, he could be out for West Coast. But then again, he was also competing with your Rock Glyphs and your players like that at Brisbane. So um, he's definitely a big question mark. If he backs it up in the second JLT, I'll give him serious consideration. But I think at the moment it's worth keeping that money invested in your Crips or your Coniglios, who you've seen uh, do it very recently, uh, as opposed to Redden, who... Who's been a bit quiet in the last couple of years. So I think he could definitely be a good pick, but we need to see him back it up. And we just, we just, yeah, need to see him back it up pretty much. (laughs) Cheese.
1: And someone else we do want to see back it up in the uh, JLT2 is Liam Ryan there, JB, 117K forward. He only put up 46, but um, as a you know a pressure forward, um, something he's not renowned at, but he's probably going to be uh, converting himself towards a more pressure player. He spent 80% time on ground, three tackles, one goal, one. You know, we kind of saw what we needed for him. 46 points, while isn't absolutely amazing, it's kind of all you need from someone when they're that cheap. And as a bench player, someone like, Grime would be fantastic. So uh, you know, if he's there for for JLT 2 and he puts up something similar, kicks a couple of snags, puts on that forward pressure, which we um, uh, we saw him still getting used to the, the the speed of AFL, even though it's the preseason, there was a couple of fumbles there. I think he's going to be um, an absolutely fantastic pick come round one, and uh, I, I was really really happy with what I saw.
0: Yeah, and you've pretty much nailed it there, chezo We're picking this guy as a bench op- option. I don't think he's going to be your sixty seventy average from a a rookie. Uh, that we can expect from some others that we're selecting. Um, but he did show very good signs and he will have a day or two this season where he just gets on gets on a good day, bags 3, 4 or maybe you know, 3, 4 or even plus. Um, he's got that real dynamic ability to just be around the ball and, and have a presence at all time, and he obviously knows where the goals are. I think he could put together a few good scores, but he's your type of player that you're going to want on the bench and... I mean, we never know. If he gets a run of form, he might be our our loophole. Uh, try and get him on the field as much as possible, but not really want to risk it with starting him. But he did look great. A lot of people were bagging him, saying 46 points, not good enough. Like, what's the point? But, I mean, he's got that job security locked up by the sounds of it. I mean, rookie uh, West Coast, sorry, loved him, so... He looks like the type of player that we're just going to have to bury away on our bench, and hopefully, we get one of those one or two big scores that he's going to produce this year.
1: Yeah, fantastic. That pretty much wraps up the JLT there, JB. Uh, really comprehensive. Gone into a lot of depth there. Um, there's quite a few players we do need to keep an eye out for. A couple that have jumped onto our radars that weren't there before. Really, really happy that the uh, the the JLT um, is back on, and I can't wait for Wednesday when Carlton and uh, St Kilda really kick it off, and we get to see um, some new rookies, some new players that we get to look at there. Uh, there, JB.
0: Yeah, and Paddy Cripps might reselect himself in my squad if he tears it up. So I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs>
1: All right, JB. Thanks for jumping on the uh, the JLT wrap up podcast that we've got there, mate. Uh, absolute pleasure having on there, mate.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate the chat anytime.
1: Yeah, no worries. It's it's good to be able to hear our thoughts without being influenced by by Pistol. He always just kind of is the the little voice in the back of our head that just keeps manipulating our sides. I think it's that that Chizo chase down that it's just kind of getting to him. And he's he, he, every time I show him my squad, he just attacks twenty nine out of thirty. Of
0: them. <laughs> uh, I assume you've seen the Jungle Book. I assume most people have seen the Jungle Book, but um, that that snake that goes and influences uh, the main <laughs> character there—that's Pistol with our Super Coach squads twenty four seven. He'll be like. Uh, have you have you read up on this player, this player? And we're like, dude, we've never even heard of this player. And he's like, no, 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 they, they averaged a hundred four years ago. They're a lock. And we're just like, damn it, now we've got to change our whole teams because he doesn't say the wrong thing, Pistol. Yeah, I know. He's too smart for his own good sometimes, that boy. And
1: if you do actually want to see Pistol, uh, talk to him directly. You can hit him up on uh, on Twitter now. I think we, we convinced him to finally sign up for his own account. Pistol underscore DRSC, you'll find him there. Make sure you direct all of your... Uh, uh, Chizo Chase down tweets to him so he knows how big it is in the community <laughs> um, I don't think he's really going to live it down by that stage um, but speaking of Twitter you can also find JB and I JB underscore DRSC on Twitter or Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC you'll find on there if you do want to leave us a review on iTunes it helps get our brand out there helps more people find us and uh, it really helps us get better which is what we really want at the end of the day we want to make sure we're making the best content that we can for you guys and that you enjoy listening to it uh, you can find us on iTunes.com Dr. Supercoach. And if you do send us a review, make sure you send us a screenshot of your team to drscpod at gmail.com. Send us your team if you've sent us a a review and we can review that straight away for you and give you some pointers. We've already had quite a few emails come through this week here, JB, and some really good teams from the community, which is what I'm really loving.
0: And Chizo, just to add there, uh, just something that we're running... New to 2018 is the Wildcard League. So we did open up the leagues uh, last year and got the the top 10 in there. Uh, It's a relegation promotion system if you haven't heard of it before. But this year we're doing a Wildcard League. So if you missed out on the first one, you can get free entry into League 10 by winning the Wildcard League. Uh, and to get into that we have already got a few places uh handed out to people as per last season. We did some competitions. If you want to leave a review on our iTunes, the first uh people to uh first five people to leave a review and hit us up on our email that I said earlier will get entry into that wildcard league. So I think it's a great way Great way to get amongst the community, have a bit of banter and maybe win some prizes as well at the top there.
1: Yeah, I think the the winner last year got one of the Supercoach uh, Championship rings there, uh, JB. Unfortunately, we had to hand that to Pistol in the Dr. Supercoach uh, Admin Keeper League last year because he, uh, he came from the clouds and beat us all. Yeah, very upsetting. <laughs> uh, that
0: goes back to my snake comment earlier because he beat <laughs> me to get there, so I'm very upset about it.
1: Yeah, uh, are you investing in some youth this year, do you think, or are you going to sell all the youth to go for the title once again?
0: I'm going to have to go for the title because I I thought I'd won it last year and and was ready to get some youth, but I'm going to have to change mindsets. (laughs) Mate,
1: Gaz is back. You'll be absolutely fine. Uh, Mate, it's been fantastic having you on the pod. Lovely uh, to hear your voice again. I can't wait for some more JLT games to uh, to talk about in a few days' time, mate.
0: Yeah, you too, mate. And thank you to the community for tuning in.